This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Big doll stacked in my mansion. Three piece to your girlfriend thinks that I'm handsome. Different three piece in the weapon with the man them. Clip bang, empty the clip, the it's abandoned. Whole team starving, call that something like a famine. Everybody eats, open the door and let my famine. If I see him on road and we beefing, then I ram him. I'm equipped with the big thing, don't be raising with no planning line. Yo, if I'm eating, then you know my brother's eating too. Hopping out of bushes, rusty mash like peekaboo. Drag you in your gaff for the rats, cause we need a few. You're not gonna grass, not going back, cells, I've seen a few. Big doll stacked in the mansion. Three piece suit your girlfriend thinks that I'm handsome. Different three piece in the whip and with the man them like clip bang into the clip. Though it's abandoned. Ah, uh, it's that money wave. And yeah, I've been foot stepping on these money paves. Yo, I pull up to the Hello, Donald. How's it going, Richard? Uh, I am very well. Thank you very much for agreeing to take part in what is a slightly different podcast to what we usually do. Yeah, um, well, I hope so. I hope different in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're going to do, so you signed for Swindon in 2017. You played 21 times in all competitions, scoring just that one goal. But what a hit it was against Morecambe. And then you left at the end of your contract in 2018. And then to the football fan it all went quiet. You sort of disappeared. Uh, there was no new contracts. There was no new clubs. You, you disappeared off the face of the earth, so to speak. So this is an opportunity for you to tell me and tell us what happened after. So basically, I left. Um, the manager at the time was doing... I was out of contract, so the manager at the time was doing um, sort of meetings about the next season, and he left it with me that he wasn't sure. Basically, I'm not quite sure whether one minute you're the best player I've ever seen, the next minute you don't look interested. And um, so I kind of took that as, okay, that's fine. I wasn't really, I've never really been interested in football, to be honest with you, Rich. So I took that and I went away with it. And I was supposed to get back in contact with the club next season. But I never did. And I ended up um, leaving the game totally. And I had a year off. To be honest, I didn't get up to much good. I'd done quite a bit of drink and I was a bit of a drinker through my whole career. So that 
obviously stop me from getting back in, even if I wanted to, because I was in very, very bad condition, we'll say, come the next season. But I did do a bit of training with the sort of possibility, if I didn't find anything else I was interested in, that I could go back. Now, turns out I didn't go back. And um, like I said, for about a year, I just hit the drink hard. And then I got with my now girlfriend, who basically said you need a job <laughs> which which she was right so um she she me and her both got um my CSCS card which allowed me to go and be a laborer on building sites around Manchester which is what I've been doing for the past eight months um sorry sorry more than eight months probably a year and that was on various different sites now eight months ago I got onto a site right beside my house and it was a more permanent thing as opposed to two weeks here and two weeks there. Do you know what I mean? So that was brilliant. That was going really well, really interested, really, really interested. And I could see myself working up in terms of uh, options of pay rises if I'd done this course and they were willing to put me through these courses. So basically I was like, wow, I've kind of wasted the past 10 years of my life in terms of my dad's a builder. So I could have got into the building game at 15. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So basically, about three weeks ago, so that was going great up till then, me and my girlfriend living together. And about three weeks ago, we, no, sorry, about a month ago, we went on a trip to Ireland. Her family's Irish. So she took her nana for her birthday back to where she was from in Cork. So we'd done a bit of a traveling around, we got the ferry over and done a bit of driving around and seeing loads of things. And I was like, wow, I don't even know my own country. Like, so all this new information was getting into my head, plus the building site, which I was enjoying. I was learning new things every day. And then basically I come to a head where I was sat on the couch with her about three weeks ago and I had what I describe as a heart attack. I was having a heart attack, basically. Now, she suffers from anxiety, so she kind of knew it was an anxiety attack. Now, I had no clue about anxiety. I, I, if I was any more laid back, I'd be asleep for the past 30 years. Like, So next minute go to A&E, severe, severe anxiety attack, get prescribed diazepam and get sent to see a psychiatrist. Now, the psychiatrist has put me on a drug called aripiprazole, which is an umbrella. It umbrellas anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar and depression. I think that's what the, the main reason for me to be on this drug. Now, it was just such a shock because everything as far as I was concerned, was going the best. But I, I had been looking, thinking back, like, oh, I've wasted 10 years. This building game is my game. You know what I mean? I, realistically, I was much more interested in the building than I was in the football. I was just, when I was younger, quite talented. So I moved from Ireland. Um, a bit of a segue, but that's where that's where it is now. I'm, I'm, seeing, a, I'm seeing a psychologist and I'm on medication, uh, antipsychotic medication. So take it back to Ireland if I could just before I moved over I was 15 I did I, it was my way out of school basically I didn't enjoy school so that was my way over to Man City brilliant everything looked great but between 15 and and 25 26 27 30 in my case you, you, players young players don't know what they want to do like they're just drilled football but and there is a bit of education that goes alongside but I think you know as well as I do. And if you don't, I'm telling you, that's as much as you make it. You know what I mean? So basically, I think that's what my problem was. I, I Between 15 and 25, we'll say, 
I was just drilled football and I didn't get to explore what I would have if I had stayed in school. You know what I mean? I mean, my brother is a physiotherapist. My sister is a nurse who uh, is in, in Australia. She lives in Australia now. Um, so it's like, what could I have been? My mother is a teacher. My father is a builder. I could have explored different avenues. So I think that was all playing on my mind and building up over the past 15 years, we'll say. And literally came to a point where now, and I'm fine now, I'm, I'm stabilizing with the medication. It's only been three weeks, so it, it, it will take a while to get in my system and get used to it. But um, it just feels like the past 15 years, it's just been building up, building up. And it literally came to a point where I thought I was having a heart attack. So quite different, I presume, to the rest of your podcast, but it is totally the truth. And thus, I just thought I need to get it off my chest, which I am doing with a counsellor and a, a psychologist, but I just thought this would be a good way for other football players, fans, and just the general public to understand that it's not all fun and games, you know what I mean? But that was a good goal against Morecambe. I'll give I'll give myself that. <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you for sharing what you have experienced over the last year and the last month or so. It's been very very interesting. But I think what would be good just to give listeners that that idea of that journey, as you say, from Ireland to present day and how it built up to what you experienced, because. You, you quite interesting, and, and you're not the first footballer to come out and say they didn't no. like playing football. I mean, a high profile, the most high profile case I can think of immediately are people like Mark Faduka and David Batty, who as soon as they finished, they they had no interest in football at all. Now, you you talk about football in Ireland. How does somebody? I mean, was there ever a point where you did have an interest in football? Yeah. So I mean. I've said for the past 15 years, I've, I've told my friends, don't ask me about it, don't talk to me about it. When I go back to Ireland, I was just on the drink. I don't want to talk about football. But of course, when I was younger, I played for a team called Cherry Orchard in Dublin. Great team, great atmosphere, great bunch of lads, which they were in the, in, in England as well. But once I realised what the machine, I'm putting in inverted commas, that football is, it's a, court, it's a business. So once I realised that, you know, with the nep- nepotism, brown nosing, you know, different stuff like that, clicks, bit of bullying, bit of this, bit of that. I soon realised this isn't for me. This definitely isn't for me. And I'm sure other people have, and maybe I just, I wasn't afraid to say it at the time, but it only came to my realisation, you know, as I became 24, 25, I, I thought, yeah, I know why I don't like it, you know, that kind of way. Mm. I mean, for those who don't know, Cherry Orchard are one of the most successful teams in Ireland for producing professional footballers. I don't think that's over the top to say. And, no. And you represent the Republic of Ireland at various youth levels um, when you're at Manchester City and you're voted, what was it, under 16 player of the year for the Republic of Ireland. So these are no mean feats. So uh, did football come naturally to you? Yeah, I mean, I had no interest in it. I, I didn't. I was a late bloomer into football. I didn't start kicking a ball when I was five or six because no one in my family was football orientated. Mm. So we have we have Gaelic games in Ireland. So you know that would be more pushed as opposed to football or soccer, as uh, some people might call it. Sure. So basically, I got into it then maybe about ten or eleven, quite late in terms of. What I see now is players getting signed at five and six and stuff like that, which is madness in my opinion. But um, so I did, I did, I, I loved it. And then I went to Cherry Orchard. I got scouted for Cherry Orchard at twelve. 
won won the league every year and got all these nominations, played for Ireland, travelled the whole world. But I travelled the world, Rich, but and I have travelled the world with football in general, but I've only seen football stadiums. I didn't see any culture. I didn't see any, you know, that was the whole kind of enlightenment. When I went back to Ireland, I was showing my girlfriend's family, oh, this is where this battle went on and that castle is this and that. And I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't even know my own country well enough. And I've seen all these other countries, but I've only seen football stadiums. So basically, <clears throat> football to me when I was younger was great. But once I realised the business and the this, that, and the third that comes with it, the machine that is football, I quickly fell out of love with it. I, I think the term machine is fair enough to be honest, because it is it is quite relentless, isn't it? Um, as, it as is. An industry. But, 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 the only problem with that is when you're on antipsychotics and you start talking about machines, it doesn't go down very well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So you're a kid who's observing stuff at Cherry Orchard. You're very, very good at what you do without really caring too much, which yeah. I'm, I'm more than sure some of your friends would have hated you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it. And, I got it in the neck for that one. <laughs> but you end up at a massive club. Okay, it's pre the mega money, but it's still a massive club in Manchester City. Were you advised to do this by others or did you make that decision? No, I made the decision. Like I said, I it, it was... It came to a point where there was Liverpool coming to my house in Ireland, Man City coming to the house, you know, different clubs. And, you know, my parents didn't know enough about it, but I wanted to follow my dream. I still thought, well, I'll use this as a vehicle to when I find out what I want to do in my life, money in the next 10 years, and then I can branch off and do what I want to do. I was using football as a vehicle, but... I ended up finding drink before I found my uh, purpose, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I really just got so um, not drugs as such. Well, <laughs> drink is the worst drug in my opinion. So yeah, drugs, and I just um, really all that I couldn't get out of, and it literally was to the point where I had to finish football, be on my arse, we'll say. My girlfriend had to drag me out of the mud. And literally point me in the right direction. And now, like I said, it's come to the point where I can't work now. I'm off sick on antipsychotics. So now I can't even do what I want to progress myself at. You know what I mean? So I just thought it's very important to tell people. And, you know, not so much uh, the players, because the players are going to have to go through it. But the parents of young players, so my parents at the time, didn't know enough. It's all well people saying, oh, he'll get looked after. He'll, you know, the, you're one of a thousand when you when you land on that. When you get to Man City or whatever, you're one of X. It, it, you don't get the treatment you would get if you lived at home and played. You know what I mean? Mm. So what sort of treatment did you get at your five years at Manchester City in that respect? You, ha you have to put up a bit of a bravado. You know what I mean? I'm coming from Ireland, ne literally never wore a pair of jeans. And then I land in the middle of Moss Side a Platt Lane facility, I did get brought to a college to do a B-Tech and, you know, stuff like that. But you make your own path. And uh, I, I had put up a bravado not to get bullied, you know what I mean? So, you know, going into change rooms, different change rooms, immediately I'd put my stamp that I'm not one to fuck with. Like, whereas that is totally not me, Rich. I'm just the most placid person ever. But I felt like I had to do that. And then I ended up becoming my, it's like an alter ego. And I ended up becoming that which just totally, totally changed my whole 
for when I'd had a drink and I'd go back to the old me, like. So it was very, very complicated. But the stuff was there, except Man City. But, like I said, you're one, you get off that plane and you're not getting one-on-one treatment. Or, for instance, if I was living at home, I would probably have progressed in football because I would have had the backbone of my mother, father, there to tell me X, Y, and Z as opposed to A, B, and C, which was I was doing, which was, in my opinion, the easy thing. Slide through it and just drink once. Had money, but I, I didn't know anything about tax, so I ended up later on in my career getting caught by tax man for seventy grand, like because I didn't know I didn't have a bank account until I landed in England. You know what I mean? Hmm. So stuff like that could have been done way better. You know, there could have been a course when I got over to Man City when I was fifteen, sixteen. What you're gonna face in terms of tax and buying mortgages, you know, stuff like that. I I think that should be in the in schools. To be honest, there's a lot of uh, people say that they don't teach you how to sort of do tax returns and things like that. Although many people in schools will end up having to do it, so I, th- I think that's a very a fair point. Reference alcohol. When did it become an issue, so to speak, from from it being um, recreational to to where it all ended up? Um, possibly when I realised, so possibly about 20, 21, I realised what was happening to me hmm. slightly. I didn't get all the, I, ha- I have all the information I feel in my head now. I feel it's clear. But at the time I was like, oh, something's not right. And that's when I started drinking on my own or indoors, you know what I mean? As opposed to going out with the lads. I went to drink to think, what am I supposed to be doing? Is my, I'm not a footballer. Like, I'm, I know I'm not a footballer. From from the day one that I got off that plane from this is the gods. From day one, I had no aspirations of being famous. Didn't have the aspiration. I wanted to change something or do something or build something. And it took me fifteen years to realize that all I wanted to do were at the start and try and work my way up and get what I deserved. I didn't want anything else. I just wanted what I deserved for the work that I was putting in. Yeah. I mean, you play at Man City alongside people that went on to play in World Cup semi-finals like Trippier and, and Boyata, yeah. and and, yeah. and then you find yourself in this situation. Did did they not give you any guidance of like creating your own business while you're a player, like many footballers do? Well, I, I didn't get any of that guidance. But to be honest, Rich, with the with the alter ego or defense mechanism that I persona that I put up, it would have been very hard for someone to come and talk to me. Um, I thought I was a bit of a know-it-all, you know what I mean? Even though I knew deep down I wasn't. Yeah. I just didn't want to get mitered. I wanted to figure it out on my own. And it looked like it's self-destruct, and it was self-destruct behavior. But now that I look back, I, I was never going to, you know, do anything to harm myself. I, I, it was never any thoughts. Depression, yes, but not to the point where I was going to hurt anyone or hurt myself, apart from drinking myself, uh, hurting my liver or whatever, my body. But... Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was that. It wasn't the case of, oh, I'm going for a drink because I need it or whatever. It was just I need to find out what I need to do. And drink is bringing me back to the old me. It's making me think like the old me. So that's what I continued to do. But I just couldn't break through and find out what it was I wanted to do. Mm. Listening to what you're saying and looking at your career, I see that when you were at Manchester City, you were sent out on loan four times, Milton Keynes, Chesterfield, Scunthorpe and Bournemouth. Now, if if I'm putting myself in the mindset of somebody who doesn't really like their job too much as a means to an end, 
I'd have bloody hated those yes. lone moves. Was that the case for you? No, no, I loved it because I loved going to different places and seeing. Sure. I could have ignited a, I could have ignited a spark, for instance, at Bournemouth. Yeah. At Bournemouth, it was brilliant. It was one of the best places in, in the world, in my opinion, to live, even though I couldn't say that because I haven't lived anywhere but Ireland and England. But it was beautiful. The sun was shining. The opportunity was there. And it was like a club that was only going up. I had signed a, a big, in my opinion, a big contract. I had got bought. You know, all these things were there. Bournemouth was... I mean, I had everything there for me, big contract, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, it just still wasn't enough for me. Selfishly, I didn't want this football game. I, didn't, I definitely didn't want to be famous because I'm very outspoken and I knew that I would get myself in trouble. So I definitely didn't want to be famous. Money, obviously, a house, mortgage, kids, of course, but not the route that I was going down. So they were good times, those loan moves and great managers. I learned a lot. Uh, not football, but I learned a lot um, in general. But it's just very frustrating that it took me 15 years to come to the point where I am now, where now I can't even work, Rich, because I'm off on the sick, which is my... I've been working since I was 15, like, if you call football work. Mm. Um, oh, it's just so frustrating, Rich. Robinson thrashing this one across and cleared only to Mark Walters. Can he make room for the shot? Blocked, but there's You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. What did what did you like about the football world? Um not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not honestly, not a lot. I've driven the cars, I've had I've had money to burn. I mean I was able, I, I like jewellery, so I was able to buy the jewellery that I wanted, the watches I wanted, but apart from that, Rich, honestly, not a lot. I mean, the people, of course, there's good people, bad people in every walk of life and every job you take. I've met some of my best friends now in football, so in that respect, yes, definitely, I love that about football. There's, there's gems in football, there's gems in businesses everywhere all over the world, but apart from that, Rich, not a lot. Mm-hmm. And what were the things that you hated the most? Um, the fact that uh, politics, I felt like there was a lot of politics, a lot of brown nose. And I'll just give you an example. When I moved over to City and there was contracts being given out and these contracts were being given out for £90 a week. And there was lads coming up with their fathers in limousines to, to sign their contracts. like, mm. And that's the God's honest truth. And, and when I seen that, I'm from Ireland where, you know, no, no disrespect to Ireland, but we're probably 10 years behind England. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, But, you know, that's just the way it is. And that's just, that's, all these things set me further back away from football because I was like, it is not me. But then saying that, it's such a hypocrite. I was a walking contradiction because I became who I didn't want to be anyway. So it's just so frustrating. And so it's difficult to get your head around myself let alone try and tell someone else so that's why it's quite sporadic how i'm saying it but um but i do appreciate you listen to me no no and and and, and i i think it i think it makes sense because it's all about this alter ego isn't it it's all about yeah by the time you're at huddersfield and bournemouth on a, on, on a permanent you are this different person at this time and and nobody really knows this but yourself really i guess yeah no one i mean i had an agent there who'd done everything for me 
everything he could do. He was an Irishman from near from my place of birth in Ireland. And he just couldn't get through to me. He was saying, Donald, you could be a Premier League footballer. And I was like thinking in my head, I can't disrespect him to his face, but I should have. I should have said, I don't want to be a footballer because is there any way you can use this? You know, there was opportunities there for me, Rich, and I didn't take them. I didn't take them. But then I did get sent to a lot of sports psychologists and their, their motive was to get me back playing football. Yeah. So when I told them, I don't like football. I want to go on the piss. I'm go- after this. I'm going on the piss. Like I remember telling one specifically that for a drink after this conversation, and it just wasn't getting true. They were laughing it off, like, "Oh yeah, but what can we do to get them back on the pitch? Get them back on the pitch." I didn't want to get back on the pitch. I was one of the highest paid players at the time at Bournemouth because we got promoted and I had signed early, so it was I got doubled my wages. So they wanted me off the roster at Bournemouth, and I was happy enough to go. I ended up uh, signing a mutual agreement and losing probably the guts of 200 grand. And I wasn't bothered at all. Yeah, that, that's really interesting about like what's the duty of the, yeah. the, the psychologist there? Is it well-being or is it kicking a ball about, isn't it? It's, uh, it, it seems well, be... at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, Rich, they were getting, they were getting paid by Bournemouth. So Bournemouth were saying, get, try and get this lad back on the pitch. He's quite a good player. But... Really, they should have seen telltale signs if they were psychologists and said, there's something wrong with this. Not something wrong. There's something um, different about this kid and maybe we should look. I'm not saying Bournemouth was wrong or why I was wrong. I was wrong. 100% I was wrong. But i just like to get this information out to the parents so that if they, maybe they could spot it in their son or daughter who goes to play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, let's focus on that because I know that's what you're passionate about in this conversation is just yeah. raising awareness to, to people. What are the telltale signs as far as you're concerned? Well, with me, it would it would have been, I could not have been, I could not have acted how I was acting at home in front of people who knew me and who grew up with me because I would have got a swift clip around the ear saying, that's not fucking you, like, you're this happy-go-lucky. You, you're not this lad that goes out fighting and, uh, you know, stuff like that, goes out drinking and goes out fucking swearing too much and all that. You're a nice guy, like, but, you know, I was too far away from home and I was too far gone. So I think, um, you know, a change in attitude in a young player or a young person, sorry, um, you know, to their parents or coaches or there probably is welfare, you know, or different people in place now. And there was at the time, to be fair. But like I said, I was very hard to approach and very hard to get any information out of. So I, I, like I said, I can't blame them, but I can just try and wear, uh, raise awareness. Yeah. How many footballers in your experience do you think are in a similar situation as yourself? I would say at di- if you take it from the different levels, being grassroots to the Premier League, if you take that in, uh, you know, alongside what we're talking about, I would say grassroots being... Jesse Lingard when he looks at the tabloids he feels some type of way and that definitely affects him and then there's obviously the top end where I was basically drinking myself into oblivion like so and that, that's not even the top end you know I, don't, I won't go any further but you, you can imagine what the top end of that is but um, so yeah there's just it's just so many I'd say I'd say I would say 90% of footballers have some sort of mental health issue and I would even go further and say 90% of people have some sort of like I said it could be a grassroots thing it could be of 
coming home from work after a hard day and your missus asking you a question and you saying, listen, I don't want to fucking talk about it. You know what I mean? As opposed to talking it through, which I'm trying to do with my missus now, and moving forward, pull, pulling in one direction. You know what I mean? You, you, but you're based in Manchester now and yeah. you, you love life in Manchester. You played football around Manchester near to the ends of your career with Salford. You also had yeah. a, a successful but brief spell at Dundalk where you won silverware. Did that yeah. help at all, being happy in an environment that was safer or was it just no different to you? No, I was too far gone, Rich. So when I went back, I, I ended, like I said, I basically my contract got terminated. I think I ended up getting about £30,000 as opposed to my, because I had to, because I was going to get, my contract would have been terminated. So I took £30,000 as opposed to, I'd say my, the year of contract was over 200 grand, we'll say, mm. or in and around. Sorry, I don't know the exact figures. Sure. <clears throat> um, but when I went to Dundalk, I was going back solely to drink and drink with my mates. And I was too far gone from my mum and dad to say anything to me because I was a grown man by then, you know what I mean? And I was doing my own thing and I wasn't opening up to them. I was literally in there and I was either at training or I was in the pub. So it wasn't a good time. That was one of my worst times, to yeah. be honest. Wow, yeah. And it gets, and by the time Swindon come along, is that just a contract just as a way of means at that point? Effectively, yes. Um, I turned down a contract at Rochdale because I felt that made the same money that I was on or slightly more. And I felt that uh, it's disrespectful to offer me that because I was doing quite well at the time. So I left Rochdale and um, Swindon got in contact. I presume by Keith Hill was the manager and um, Flickcroft was his friend. So Flickcroft then took off Swindon and gave me a call. So I went down, yeah, basically to... to to earn some money while I was, you know, mm. just getting by, just getting by, Rich. To be honest, yeah. And did, did it's this, and, and that's and that's disrespectful, Rich, because when you put on the shirt, whether it be Swindon, Dundalk, or anywhere, you're supposed to give your bollocks. You know what I mean? And at times I would, and at times I wouldn't. I had a bipolar. One minute I'd be mad for the drink, and then I'd have a month where I just train my bollocks off and become like, why is he not just doing this all the time? But then I'd be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. So then I'd hit the drink again. So that's why throughout all my career, managers, if you ask them, be like, he's either unbelievable, unplayable, or literally unplayable. Yeah. Are you relieved <laughs> that you come to the realisation in your early 30s than instead of like 36, 37, 38? Rich, I don't think I would have made it. This is the God's honest truth. I do not think I would have made it in football to the age of 36. Mm. Not a hope. So I am relieved. I am, It's like a weight off my shoulders. Rich. That's why I got... I know you got in contact with me. That was pre... Um, pre... Whatever you want to call it. A mental breakdown or breakthrough. Um, so yeah, literally, that's how it went. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that was hugely interesting and I, and I thank you so much for, for discussing it because that's the problem isn't it in football that people aren't talking about it and you know people will listen to this and hopefully it will be distributed so people can hear what you've gone through and, and it's it's yeah. not a, you're not looking for sympathy you're not looking for no, 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 a, no. a sob story of, of a person that had it all but you didn't want it all <laughs> you, you, you've made it quite clear is there yeah. be before we go is there yeah. anything else that you want to add before we wrap up um, no no I just obviously thanks for the opportunity to talk it's, 
every I'm talking to a counselor, I'm talking to a psychologist, I'm talking to my friends now, talking to my family, which I wasn't doing. That was another main thing. I wasn't speaking to my family. I was speaking to, I was going home once every six months, you know, which is ridiculous when you think about it because it's a forty minute flight which costs about twenty pounds. Um, but I didn't want to go back because I was just in this rut of drinking or training, drinking or training. So all I will say is, um, I am I have been asked into Rothschild to speak about what I've basically just spoke about. So hopefully, you know, I'll be able to spread the word or whatever. And obviously through your podcast, uh, that would be brilliant. But also, if anyone wants to get in contact with me and um, ask me any questions, that's absolutely fine. My email is my name, Donald McDermott, 2012 at gmail.com so just if anyone wants to anonymously get in touch or ask me any questions or uh, just get in touch in general um, I'd be more than happy to speak to them that's really really cool Donald thank you very much <laughs> thank you Rich thank you very much To my mansion, three piece to your girlfriend thinks that I'm handsome. Different three piece in the weapon with the man, them clip bang, empty the clip. The it's abandoned. Whole team starving, call that something like a famine. Everybody eats, open the door and let my famine. If I see him on road and we beefing, then I ram him. I'm quick with the big thing, don't do raising with no planning. Like, yo, if I'm eating, then you know my brother's eating too. Hopping out of bushes, rusty mash like peekaboo. Drag you in your gaff for the rats, cause we need a few. You're not gonna grass, not going back, cells, I've seen a few. Big dough stacked in the mansion Three piece suit your girlfriend thinks that I'm handsome Different three piece in the weapon with the man Them like clip bang empty the clip Though it's abandoned Ah, uh, it's that money wave And yeah I've been foot stepping on these money paves Yo I pull up to the shubs do it the money way We still slanging out those packs in the alleyway Ah, uh, shit, yo it's that money wave And yeah I've been foot stepping on these money paves Said I pull up to the shubs do it the money way And the gal is showing love yo she a bad as me I just want the Gucci, Louis Fendi, Prada Yeah, I've done shit in the past that I ain't proud of Yeah, but no matter what, I still hold my pride up And yeah, you know I got G's down to ride, but I ain't trying to live no life of violence I just want big dough and to live in silence Yeah, but trust me when I say music is my guidance That's why I'm always writing, 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 writing Said I'm writing, yeah, until I'm on that right path Slim body, big butt, yeah, that my type, that Cali flip mojo, bro, watch me like that I said it's my bad if I sidetrack Wavy since I've been a you, I'll show you a finger too. Strictly make strategic moves, crazy what the peace can do. When they take your freedom, you you realize that you're stuck up in this cycle. Ah, uh, it's that money wave, and yeah, I've been foot stepping on these money paves. Yo, I pull up to the shubs, do it the money way. We still slanging out those packs in the alleyway. Ah, uh, shit, yo, it's that money wave, and yeah, I've been foot stepping on these money paves. Said I pull up to the shubs, do it the money way. And the gal is showing love, yo, she a bad as me. True say we was raised in the bits That's a black track suit when I'm blazing my spliff Tryna see quidja, I've been waiting a bit Fuck say, yeah, it's really frustrating the kid Got me thinking I should be raising the crib Boot off the door, coming straight in the crib Taking the bitch, yo bro, you're taking the piss Said it is what it is, yo bro, we're raising the bits, huh?
rausbinden. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 